At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. the cryptid keeper podcast the podcast for cryptids and their keepers that's us and if you're listening it's you too i'm alex flanagan and i'm addison peacock and our invisible third guest today is our sponsor for this month the alexandria archives wow that sounds like a really interesting neat show tell me more about it Doesn't it just? (laughs) Let's talk about the Alexandria Archives. The Alexandria Archives is a audio fiction podcast for your enjoyment, broadcasting from the university campus of Alexandria University, where the strange and supernatural meets the daily grind of going to classes and, you know, dealing with the weirdos at the honor society across the dorm. So it's a fun time. They've got all sorts of spooky stories and weird characters for you to really sink your teeth into. Wow, would you say it's the South's answer to Miskatonic University? You know, that's a very succinct and wonderfully branded way of putting it. (laughs) That's exactly what I would say. Wow, that definitely sounds like a podcast you should check out on iTunes or wherever you download podcasts or on their website, (laughs) alexandriaarchives.com. That's what I would recommend. You can also support them on Patreon, and if you do that, you'll have access to their various bonus episodes, of which I have actually written a few. Um, Both Addison and I have done a a ton of voice work for them, and it's always a good time. Mm -hmm. So we enjoy it, and you should listen to them on their own merits. But if you're just looking for more, you know, Addison and Alex content, (laughs) that's a pretty good place to find it. If this isn't enough for you and you're just desperate, just hungry for more, that's where you can go to find it. If you really just are, are, you know, not not getting your fix from listening to us talk for an hour every week. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And we are saying that because we love them, not just because they bought ad space. (laughs) But (laughs) it can be two things at once, you know, just full disclosure. But we do love them. Oh, yeah, we do. Friends of the show and a show that's a friend. Show of friends. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Can you tell that they didn't write this part of the copy? We're just just improvising. And neither did we. (laughs) (laughs) Can you believe this is just spitballing off the cuff? But it's hard to believe that this kind of audio magic can happen sprung straight from our brains to your ears. But here it is, folks. I can't believe they didn't pre-write this. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you brought us a friend this week, yes? Um, I would absolutely not describe it that way. All right, you brought us an enemy this week, yes? You brought an ancient grudge for us to hold for centuries to come. I was inspired by last week's episode, where if you haven't listened yet, please go check it out. It's great. But uh, last week's episode about real vampires. And I decided to... Sorry, what kind of vampires? Real vampires. Ooh. (laughs) That's such a niche joke. Um, Okay, that's what I thought, which is why I didn't make it on the episode. And then like four other people have made it to me about the episode. See, that's very good. And I'm glad to hear that. But um, when I was a kid, I've mentioned it before on the podcast. I don't remember what they were called. And I need to do a deep dive and figure them out. But if you know, please tweet at me. But there were these series of books. They looked kind of like magazines, but they were paperback, like thin they were bound paperback books and they were a series for like sort of targeted at like 10 to 12 year olds, I think. Mm -hmm. And there was one on aliens. There was one on ghosts and there was one on vampires. You had to order them online. I had all three. 
Uh, if there were more, I don't. I didn't know about them, but I had those three. And the vampire one was my favorite. It had this huge section on vampires in pop culture. It had an excerpt that was essentially like a, an abridged graphic novelized version of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Fun. And then it had a huge section on vampires and variations on vampire-like creatures all across the world. And that was like my first introduction to global folklore and just like seeing variations on themes and different stories and different monsters. And that's how I found out about this marvelous lady. This, oh my God, I don't even know where to begin with this. I'm so excited. I used to be so scared. I used to have nightmares about this creature. Um, This is a Filipino creature. Mm -hmm. This comes from the folklore of the Philippines. And it is, have you heard of the Mananangal? I have not. Oh, good. I can't wait. Um, so I, I used to have nightmares about this, uh, about this creature. She was discussed. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say she. It's a species, but like she, she was discussed in this vampires book that I had. And again, I don't remember anything about it. I think it was just called vampires with an exclamation point. Uh, it had like a vampire bat on the cover. Love that. But I'm going to hop to the cryptids wiki, first of all. But uh, and then go to some kind of branched off sources and talk a little bit about the scariest version of the vampire, in my personal opinion, the scariest variation. Right on. I'm so ready. So give me this thing's name one more time. And then if you could spell it for me. Oh, yeah. Mananangal. It's um, that's the pronunciation that I, I looked it up and found someone pronouncing it in Tagalog. That's what I was. That's that's what I've been told is the pronunciation. If I'm incorrect, I'm so sorry. That's what I found. It's. M-A-N-A-N-A-N-G-G-A-L. Okay, cool. Also, I'm going to go ahead. I'll put it in the description, too. Big content warning for body horror. Fair. It's just inherent in what this thing is and what it does. I need you to know I'm going to be stumbling over this name all episode. Not because there's anything weird about the name, but because I am um, originally from Monongalia County in West Virginia. Oh, no. um, yeah. Which is the county... <laughs> That is defined by the Monongahela River, which, like, it's a whole thing. And this is, like, a weird piece of West Virginia fact for you. Those two words were supposed to be the same, and reader, they are not. (laughs) It was like, the Monongahela River has been there forever, right? And was named by the indigenous peoples that settled the area. And um, it, like, when it came time to name this county, they were like, we'll name it after the river. Except they didn't really know what the river's name was, so they just kind of guessed. And so it was Monongalia, which is not the same thing. Um, but like, so there, those two variations of that name are like all over the state and various, you know, pieces of West Virginia culture. Um, and so this, my brain is trying to like fit this into one of those two holes and it's not working. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Mananangal. Yes. Yes. Um, that's the closest I can get with that. Um, cool. I think that's, that's again, when I looked up the pronunciation, there was like an archival like language site essentially that had a recording supposedly of a uh, of a person from the Philippines saying the word and that is what they cool. what it sounded like to me if again if that is wrong I did just find it on a website on the internet but and sometimes the internet tells lies but the Mananangal which is also sometimes referred to as the Aswang or Aswang I'm not sure about the oh, pronunciation I have heard that now, but the thing about that is that that's a misnomer, um, A-S-W-A-N-G, because that actually, it's a misapplied word, because according to the sources I found, um, that word is actually more of a generic term and can refer to all types of, like, ghouls, creatures, and, like, witches. It refers to a large a large swath of creatures, and this is more specific. So but- that word is kind of the, so, like, Aswang is kind of the equivalent of, like, yokai in, like, it yes. just is sort of an umbrella term. Okay. It's, it's an umbrella term for a couple different things, but people sometimes use it specifically to refer to the Mananangal, 
but it's right. not the same. Yeah. It is a creature of the Philippines, a man-eating, blood-sunking monster, described as hideous, scary, usually female, and it... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing same. already. Same. And it is... It's <laughs> just not funny. This is horrible. And it is capable of severing its upper torso and sprouting huge bat-like wings to fly into the night in search of its victims. So what it is, is it's a torso. Okay, not same, but I do love It's a that. torso that breaks off of the rest of the body and sprouts wings and flies around. She's like a cool transformer, all right? Give her a break. Except for with, like, straight up, it's some descriptions, just like the entrails just hanging out. But she's fine. Oh, that's fine. She's fine. She's, she's doing great. She's pain. Um, the the name of it originates from an expression used for a severed torso. Oh, cool! And I don't know how familiar you are with va- with vampire bats, but this is a fun crossover with vampire bats. Uh, it is said that they mostly prey on sleeping people, uh, people who are sleeping, and primarily pregnant women. Uh, they use an elongated proboscis like tongue. Love that <laughs> to suck their blood, and then. <laughs> Oh my god, I need to stop laughing. It's because it's so dark. I think it's so... Like, it's because it's such, like, <laughs> disturbing imagery. My now, brain's response okay, is to laugh at you're it. you're bringing up vampire bats. And I have to ask you, if you're making this comparison, yeah. vampire bats don't actually suck blood. They, like... No, they cause I just no, mostly no, meant so that... I'm, I'm just asking a clarification oh, yeah. here. So, like, vampire bats make a tiny incision, the blood wells up, and then they just lick it off. Is that what this thing does? No, I just meant because they do it to things that I are sleeping. I wish it were. I wish... No, I just meant that they do it... Uh, when the animal is sleeping. Can you imagine, though? Just like... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I wish. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, She's just like, one sec. (laughs) Just like... Vampire bats have an anticoagulant in their saliva. And they also have a numbing agent in their saliva. So actually, vampire bats are pretty chill because it doesn't even hurt when they bite you or when they make the incision. Um, But anyway... Uh, sorry, I need to, um, the severed lower torso is left standing and is said to be the more vulnerable of the two halves. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, think. Um, now this is fun, and there's some fun crossover between this and more classic vampire lore, or sprinkling salt, which is common for purification kind of things in stories, uh, and in, with dealing with creatures, or smearing crushed garlic or ash on top of the standing torso is fatal to the creature. Interesting. The upper torso then would not be able to rejoin itself and will die by sunrise. It's vulnerable. So there's some crossover. Doesn't like garlic, salt. It's vulnerable to sunlight. So there's some there's some fun crossover, even though this is very different from sort of the vampire lore that we know coming from the sort of Dracula camp. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, so, listeners, if the audio sounds a little disjointed at any point in this episode, it's because I just had an earthquake drill for 25 minutes. And by at any point, we mean at that point specifically, the one right before she said that. There's going to be a weird, a weird shift, a weird, uh, a weird gap. And that is because I had an earthquake drill for 25 minutes. Yeah. I thought my smoke alarm was going off. And then, surprise, I walked outside and uh, my resident director was like, time to go out to the safe zone in the parking lot because this is an earthquake drill. I did meet a dog, though. Ooh, what kind of dog? Um, like a little, uh, like a little, some sort of mixed, uh, breed, but like a little chihuahua looking dog with a curly tail. Aww. Very friendly. Yeah. Very, very friendly. Um, belonged to one of the people who lives in, uh, my apartment and, uh, his name was Rocky and he was very good. I mean, yes, of course he was very good. <laughs> we know this. So, um, so where do you want to pick back up with a Mononigal? I'm going to go ahead and talk about, uh, again, their, um, their weaknesses. I left off around their weaknesses, talking about how there's a lot of crossover okay. between the Mananangal and 
the vampires that we know from like Dracula, like the classic Bram Stoker-esque vampire, which mm-hmm. is that they avoid light, particularly sunlight, um, avoid garlic. They're also known to avoid uh, daggers. I mean, same. Uh, like, so same. Vinegar. Spices of any kind. Ah, uh, not same. They just don't, yeah, they just don't like spices. They don't like flavorful food at all. And the tail of a stingray, which can be fashioned as a whip. That's interesting. You know, like, I love how all of those are pretty general or, like, pretty standard weaknesses, like salt, sunlight, garlic, um, daggers, which, like, again, same. But then just the very specific, a whip you made from a stingray tail. You know, um, if you don't have homemade stingray tail whip, store-bought is fine. Yeah, store-bought is fine. Um, the story is popular in the Visayan... Visayan... <sighs> My pronunciation is so bad, but in that region of the Philippines, it's especially in the Western vision, provinces. sweetie. Oh my god. <laughs> in the Western in the Western provinces of the Philippines. <laughs> Have a lot of crossover between them and vampires. There's also, like, traditional vampires, I should say, vampires that don't split themselves asunder and fly about as half a torso. Um, yeah. So from this cryptids wiki page, there's also a little uh, sighting, an excerpt uh, from Dajal, who is um, currently a manager at Biroan, Indonesia. This also, variations on the story uh, are on the Mananangal up here uh, in Malaysia and Indonesia as well. Okay. So there's some cross-pollination there. So this is the quote. I had a real experience of seeing this monster. I was a young boy at that time, and our house was in a small barrio with only few neighbors and surrounded with trees. The wife of our neighbor was pregnant at that time, and their house was a small hut with windows that can't be closed, which simply means that you can see the stars in their house during nighttime. It was very noisy midnight that I could not sleep. Our neighbor dogs kept howling in our backyards, so I tried to check it. I slightly opened our window enough for my eyes to see everything outside. I'm fascinated because the moon was so bright and there were no dogs in our backyard. So I looked at our neighbor's house, and there I saw the howling dogs. But when I looked at the window, I saw something dark floating. It was like a person floating horizontally facing our neighbor's opened window. I was very scared because it's hard to describe that dark floating thing. Even the surrounding was clear. I closed the window and went straight to bed, covering myself with my pillow, and went to sleep again. The next day, I talked to my friend about what happened last night, and I asked him if there was something unusual that happened in their house that night. He said he and his siblings were guarding their mother all the time, and they were aware of the possible attacks of the Aswang. He told me he had stepped something on something like a hairy tail, and then he had thrown garlic onto it, and it suddenly disappeared. Oh my goodness. Yes, very spooky. <laughs> Frightening, actually, like genuinely. And it's a little different, the like classic vampire, but a lot of vampiric creatures, and I don't have specific names of other ones, but I just remember this being a common theme of targeting pregnant women. And I don't know if that's because... We feel that like people when they're pregnant are very, which is true, are often like very vulnerable Mm -hmm. or there's like a lot at stake. You want maybe historically explanations not to get super dark, but for like miscarriages and things like that. I just find it very interesting that particularly pregnancy is often a focus. Uh, It's two for the price of one. Oh, my God, Alex. (laughs) I mean, look, like I know we don't want to go there. But the thing is, if you are like a predatory creature. Are you saying it's like a turducken? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Sometimes babies have a different blood type than their parent. And if you are a connoisseur of fine sanguines, then <laughs> that might be appealing to you. 
<laughs> no, it's true. Um, it's true. And uh, a more the simple vivid- look, look, <laughs> look. If there's one thing I learned from Sherlock Holmes, um, uh-huh. it's that the simplest explanation is usually the right one. Isn't that also Occam's razor? No, it's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> okay, you're right. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes shaves every morning with Occam's razor, but yes. Also, I don't have a way to wedge this in, so I just want to say a joke that I said off mic before we started recording again, which is that she's just a Mananangal in the town. Uh, thank you for coming to my stand-up special. Okay, so I want to hop over to, there is a website specifically uh, called the com, and it is a, uh, specifically according to their sort of contact us page. They are a website created as an educational resource to share the rich, colorful, and diverse folklore of the Philippines. So that's what the website is dedicated to. So if that's something you want to read more about, this the website has a ton of pages on myths from all these different regions and peoples. There's a whole section on different creatures. There's opinion pieces. And then there's also like entertainment news. It's 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 a really cool site, and you could definitely read a lot of stuff on it. But specifically, I want to refer to their entry on the Mananangal and the Wakwak. Or wa- yeah, wak wak w a k w w a k w a k wak wak. Okay, it's all there's some crossover uh, between the wak wak is potentially another name for the uh, Mananangal. There's some crossover, so they're included in the, a lot of the same descriptions or discussions. The Mananangal uh, and the wak wak are types of e- evil creatures uh, fall on often under the umbrella term of the Aswang. Uh, legend says the Mananangal is a pretty woman by day that transforms into a vicious half-bodied viscera-eating monster by nightfall. Big same. Uh, said that she will sneak... This I love the description of this. This is, so, this is so much more vivid. She'll sneak out of her house near midnight to hide in the bushes or a grove of banana trees. Then she rubs her body with a certain type of oil, doesn't say what kind, and minutes later she will sprout bat-like wings and her body gets cut in half at the waist. The body from the navel down will stay where it is and the top half will fly around looking for something to eat. That's some skincare regimen. I know. It's pretty insane. Like, it's pretty, it's a pretty unbelievable regimen. Like, transformations. Doctors hate her. Doctors hate her. Are you looking for a skincare routine that will instantly transform you? Uh, she has an acute sense of smell and can smell a sick person or a pregnant woman miles away. So, in some areas of the Philippines, there is a similar creature or potentially just the same thing with a different name called the Wack Wack. Mm-hmm. So named for the sound its wings make while hovering or flying. They're like, Wack 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 Wack. <laughs> Isn't that fun? I love onomatopoeia. Yeah. Waka, 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 right? waka, waka, it's waka. like, it's like yep. calling uh, it's like calling bats flap flaps. It just makes me happy. I love it. Normally it's portrayed as flying in an upright position. The author of this piece, whose name is not listed, which is frustrating, uh, the user is their username is Moonlighter, so I'm just gonna refer to them as Moonlighter. But the user who wrote this entry, Moonlighter, says that their father grew up in antique uh, in the Isle of Panay and says that this is not so. Their father claims that he has a relative who saw a wakwak flying over a bamboo grove. They say that it flew upside down. Nice. <laughs> and the Moonlighter... Dope aerial stunts. Oh, she's doing so many cool wicked stunts, like X Games stuff. I love it. Uh, so... The person goes on to say, I just can't imagine the aerodynamics involved with a position like that, but it does make sense if you think of a bird out to hunt in the night. It would be easier to see the big picture if your head hangs below, like the gun sights of a bomber plane. 
So like, as opposed to like fully upside down inverted, I'm picturing more like just tilted very forward, like sort of at an angle, like um like a diving like bird of prey, like the birds that hunt like fish in the water and the way that they sort of angle. Yeah, I get you. It's just like then how does she fly forward instead of just down? <laughs> I'm sorry, Alex. Is this the part you're questioning when she splits herself in half at the torso and manages to not die? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair. Understandable. There's magic and then there's physics. Okay. And the two must exist together. Yes. Okay. They are brothers. Mm-hmm. I understand. So my wife told me, this is, well, again, this is not my wife. I'm not talking about, I'm one of my many wives. I'm talking about, this is from Moonletter again. Uh, they say, my wife told me that some time ago, a group of kids and some elderly men folks saw what they think was a Mananangal here in our little municipality. The thing, they said, looked like a big umbrella hanging from one of the electrical posts around seven in the evening. One of the kids saw it and threw stones at it. This happens a lot in our stories. And I'm like, kids, can you please stop throwing stones at things? Yeah, it really does. Um, and I kind of hate it. And at this point, I'm kind of like, not to victim blame, but... Like, hey, children, when you see mysterious things in the evening hours, please don't just throw rocks at them. Yeah, don't just resort uh, to, like, abuse. If there's anything we've learned at this point of doing this podcast, it's don't just throw rocks at stuff when you don't know what it is. <laughs> or just even when you do know what it is. Don't throw rocks. Anyway. Uh, One of the elders cautioned the kids to stop throwing lest they break a neighbor's window. When the man looked up, he was terrified as the umbrella unfolded to reveal a face and arms. The thing quickly flew away and the kids and the man ran in the opposite direction. They also have an account from their their mother had an encounter with the Wakwak. Now, they specifically say uh, in this piece, I haven't seen a Manangal. They say, heck, I'd give everything to see one, nor did my father, which I don't know. I don't know that I would give everything to see one. I don't know that I want to see one. I think they're very interesting. Yeah, I don't know that I would. I definitely wouldn't give everything. (laughs) Like, there are some things I would give. Like, if you were like, hey, if you give me all the change in your pockets right now, you can see a Manangal. And I'd be like, all right, yeah, I'll do that. I'll, like, pay a $5 cover charge. <laughs> like, Yeah, I wouldn't, like, I would, like, get my hands stamped and, and go in the front and, like, you know. I was just about to say, I'll do the two-drink minimum. I'll do the two-drink minimum, but um, I'm not going to buy, like, advanced $300 Coachella tickets to see the Mananangal. I'm not going to buy advanced $300 Coachella tickets for Coachella. Yeah, it doesn't matter who's at Coachella. Yeah, I don't care if the Mananangal's headlining. I don't care. Okay. Um, headlining. But uh, anyway, their mother saw one. I can still remember my mother talking about it matter-of-factly. She said she worked alone on the fields and lost all track of time until it was dusk. She was then preparing to untether the buffalo so that they could both go home, which was about a kilometer of thick bushes and rice paddies away. She said she had just lit her bamboo torch when she heard the sound that went whack, 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 whack. She unsheathed her bolo, which is a long machete-like knife, and looked up and around. My mother is a strong woman, even at a young age, but what she saw unnerved her. She said she saw what she thought was a large, tawny-looking bird with sharp black talons just a few feet above her head. Its flapping wings disturbed the leaves and brushes for yards around. That would have been scary enough when you're alone and it's nightfall and you still have to walk through unlit parts to get home. What struck her, though, was the look of the creature's head. She says the thing had a pretty humanoid and feminine face with yellow curly hair. She described its face as looking like a doll. Its wings were that of a bird, not a bat. And she says by the dancing light of the torches, she can tell the thing is staring at her with cold, gray eyes. Mustering all her courage, she tried to shoo it away using the torch and bolo. The wak-wak flew away. 
That was the first and last time she saw one, but to this day, she insists that a Mananangal is different from a Wakwak. <laughs> so, from the author of this little entry's mother's perspective, the Wakwak is less a variant on the Mananangal and more like almost how we imagine traditionally like a harpy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It's like a bird lady, which I think is very, which I find very interesting. Might go see her at Coachella. <laughs> Might go see her. I do, I do want to see her. I want to see what she's doing. And this is one of those, I feel like immediately all I can think is I'm remembering how all of these skeptics always say, specifically, they're always like, it's a barn owl. And all I can think <sighs> is it's like a pale, like round face. And they would be like, it's a barn owl. And barn of course owl. it's not. But that's like all I can think right now is just somebody at home being like, it's a barn owl. Duh. You know how owls have the face of a woman. But anyway, <laughs> with yellow curly hair. Uh, huh. I mean, like same on the hair. We match a little bit. That's a little disconcerting. But <laughs> you so, don't need another Halloween costume. I know this. I have too many already. Also, how would I even begin to pull that off? That would be like the Halloween costume of the century. Once you go, there's no going back because I would have to bisect myself. Um, anyway, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, so obviously there's some debate about Mananangal versus the Wakwak, etc. Aswang, there's a lot of crossover a lot of various names being bandied about. Potentially the same thing, potentially something different. I really, again, love the idea of just like this bird with a woman's head. I enjoy it. It reminds me of traditionally harpies, or we talked about kind of the original descriptions of sirens in our Sirens mm -hmm. and Mermaids yeah. episode. That's, that's the stuff I do like. So I would like to now, I'm going to hop over 17 facts about the Mananangal, a vampiric cannibalistic woman from Thought Catalog on August 16th, 2018 by January Nelson. This is just like a fun little like, I love a listicle, all right? We love a listicle. It's so fun. I love to just like take in, I like to uh, consume my information in like little hors d'oeuvres, just like a one bite, a mousse bouche. <laughs> oh, I laughed. There's an artistic rendering of it that's just horrible. Like, the art is good. It's just a horrible visual. Fact number one is something we already know. The Mananangal is a vampire-like mythical creature originated in the Philippines, man-eating and blood-sucking. The Mananangal looks like, this is so mean, a disgusting, hideous woman has the ability to sever its upper torso from its lower torso and sprout huge bat wings. Now, this is what I was talking about before. Fact number three, when its upper torso lifts from the ground with the connected wings, its intestines trail behind. So that's cool and fun. So that's like cool and fun to know and, and, and think about. Um, <laughs> oh, and this is actually reminds something you said a minute ago, uh, primarily preys on pregnant women. It uses its elongated tongue to suck out the woman's blood or the heart of her fetus. Mm-hmm. Sorry. It's just terrifying. Also, when the Mananangal chooses to prey on men, it can appear as a beautiful woman. It will lure the men to a private place and eat them alive, feasting on their stomachs, hearts, and livers. So that's also fun. So this is also fun. And some of these are things we already know, so I'm going to skip some of the ones like things like sprinkle salt or crushed garlic onto the lower half uh, so that it can't rejoin and then the whole thing will pass away once the sun comes up. Because the only way to actually kill it, if you want to, is to have the sunlight hit the upper half where the head is. <laughs> the, uh, so you, the sprinkling of the garlic or the salt doesn't actually, that doesn't kill it if you want that to file this under survival tips. It prevents the two halves from rejoining, so the, the top half is stuck outside, and then the sun comes gotcha. up. And like traditional vampires, it can't sustain. So... There is uh, a, there are a couple fun little uh, 
things that I have not found in other sources, so take these with a grain of salt or a pinch of garlic. Some people believe that a like black baby chicken, like a black chick, mm-hmm. lives inside of the Mananangal. The chick eats the innards of its host while keeping it alive. That's wild. Oh, it is. Others believe it's it's a really, really interesting interpretation of the Charles Bukowski poem that says, there's a bluebird in my heart that wants to get out. <laughs> I've been waiting to drop like a Bukowski deep cut. I don't even like Bukowski. Yeah, you, you planned that one, didn't you? I didn't even, but I've been waiting. So others believe you can turn yourself into a Mananangal by chanting a special incantation, anointing yourself with oil, and procuring an egg that contains a black chicken. Also fun. <laughs> I'm just dropping some really wild stuff on you. There is a uh, a bird that is associated with the uh, Mananangal, and it's. Are you familiar with the Tick Tick bird? Oh yes, yes. I was gonna say it's another it's another mythical creature. It's sort of a similar thing, but it's associated with uh, the Tick Tick bird. There's some crossover in those stories as well. They are commonly accompanied by a Tick Tick bird. The calls are meant to assist the Mananangal and confuse their victims. So interesting. Okay. Yeah, they enter from the roof like a terrifying Santa Claus. They, if you want to keep them away from your home, and this is a fun one because this reminds me, again, of a classic vampire thing, uh, you can leave pots of uncooked rice around. If they spot any of those items from the roof, they may decide not to enter. And I don't know if you know from like an old kind of classic vampire stories, like the, cla- like the Dracula style vampire, uh, something you're supposed to be able to do is spill rice on the ground and then they have to stop and count all the grains. They have and to that, count it, yeah. yeah <laughs> that delays them. Obviously, it doesn't say the Mananangal count, but I do like the crossover of using rice. Mm-hmm. Oh, and the word for the word Mananangal comes from a word which translates to remover or separator. Oh, okay. They're also the subject of a lot of different films from around the world, such as the not surprisingly titled Mananangal, which is the first Filipino horror movie ever made. Interesting. And when was that made? 1997, as far as I can see. And that was the first Filipino horror movie? As far as, according to this Thought Catalog article, like maybe okay. the first thing categorized as overtly a horror film. And to be fair, horror cinema, like as a popular form, like- Or maybe like the first one to receive like an international release. Exactly. I, don't know, I just find it That's weird that it thinking. would be like the first- Oh yeah, no, that was just me <laughs> quoting a, like I said, take with a grain yeah, of salt. Yeah, totally. Um, but I do think it's neat. And it is the subject of quite a few films, actually. Uh, <laughs> this isn't something like to dive into too deeply, but there's a movie called um, Dayo or Dayo. D-A-Y-O. It's a, it's a film targeted at children, and it has, uh, but it has a Mananangal-type character in it. And I found a little interview with Leah, Sal- Leah Salonga. You know who Leah Salonga is, right? Oh, I love Leah Salonga. Yeah. She was in it. Like, she sings in it. She's a Filipino actress, and she sings on the film. And there's a little interview I found with her where they ask, like, won't other children abroad be scared of the Mananangal in the film? Uh, and it says, Dio's musical director, Jesse Lassus, Lasaten says the animation is usually made to showcase culture, and Dayo is the perfect opportunity for Filipinos to show the international community the rich culture we have. The concept behind Anna's, the girl Mananangal character, was inspired from the different species of bats, a fruit bat to be more exact. There are Mananangals who eat human flesh, while there are others, like Anna, who are vegetarians. Aww. It's so cute. Um, and then there's some questions about if it's going to be an international release. It's a cross between 2D and 3D animation, referred to as tradigital animation. There, you can find video of Leia Salonga singing the theme from this uh, from this animated feature. It's the theme is called Lipad, L-I-P-A-D. If you love Leia Salonga like I do, and you want to watch her sing a song, but <laughs> that just came up when I was researching it, and I saw her name and got excited. Oh, but, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I also adore like a fruit bat inspired design. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. When I was little, like, when I was a little kid, fruit bats were one of my favorite, like, specifically fruit bats were one of my favorite animals. Oh, did you read Stella Luna? I did. I was obsessed with Stella Luna. Oh, it's so good. I love Stella Luna. Let me pull up just the last couple pages I have on our frightening, frightening friend here. This has been very cathartic for me to actually in-depth research her, too, because I was, like I said, I was so afraid when I was younger. There was, like, an illustration in the book. I wish I still had this book. I'm so angry that I don't anymore. There was, like, an illustrated rendering of of the Mananangal in this vampire book, and it was, like, a torso with, like, entrails hanging Yeah. I mean, accurate? I mean, it was, but also I was like, I'm 11. Um... I'm 12 and what is this? Yeah, literally though. That was that was my experience. And it's so interesting. I want to hop over to another sighting. This is taken from paranormalpapers.com. They have another uh, entry on the Mananangal. And so like some of the sightings we find there's not a lot of information on like it's like a woman with this name saw this thing but we don't have any links or anything to prove that this is a real thing, but I'm just going to go with it. So Sure, yeah. Uh, In May 1992, in Manila, a woman called Martina Santa Rosa reported an attack by a Mananangal. She said she saw half of the creature's body and it was naked. It had long hair and nails and very sharp teeth. Martina's neighbor backed up the report, saying she had seen the creature's upper body flying away from Martina's house. A boy described an experience that his friend had told him about. His friend had walked into his room one evening and was confronted by the sight of a giant bat with a human face. The creature was attached to the outside of his window, which was about 50 feet above the ground. It is thought that the creature was there because it realized the boy's mother was pregnant. And then here's the last sighting from this page, and this is not a sighting and more of just like the wildest story I've ever heard. And this is just, I'm going to read it verbatim. Apparently, one man inadvertently married a Mananangal. He became suspicious of his wife because she always went outside at midnight. One night, he decided to follow her, whereupon he witnessed her transformation and saw her upper body fly into the sky. He also saw her kill a person by sucking their blood. The man destroyed his wife's lower body, Yeah, and being unable to rejoin her two halves, she died. That would do uh, it, yeah. So, I just, again, there are aspects of this I keep laughing, even though I just, like, I don't mean to, it's not funny per se, but just the idea of this man being like, I think my wife might be cheating on me. And he goes outside and instead sees her rend herself in two and sprout bat wings and fly off into the night. And I like that he kept following after that point too. It was like, well, this is a little weird, but uh, <laughs> I just want to see- give her the benefit of the doubt. Okay, look. Oh, no, wait. Nope. There she is disemboweling a person. Yeah, okay. Sometimes when you love someone. I understand. You, you want to accept them for who they are, even if who they are is half of a torso flying around with bat wings. But, I mean, you have to draw the line somewhere, and normally that's when you see them disembowel somebody. It's true, yeah. I just... Usually it is. That particular story just absolutely ruins me. I know. Um, I don't know if you... This is a weird... This is a very weird tangent to take. But do you... Um, I'm kind of weirdly fascinated with a lot of, like, really terrible, like, quote-unquote, relatable Instagram comedy. Like, because a lot of it is just based around the same theme, which is, like, people are terrible to each other in relationships. So there's always, like, when... You look through Bay's phone and they're cheating on you. Like, kind of, it's awful. But, like, that's all I could think of when I read this. It's just, like, when you follow Bay out uh, at midnight and she splits herself in half and becomes a horrifying monster that flies through the night, sucking the blood out of pregnant woman with her proboscis tongue. Tag someone. And there's, like, three million likes and people being, like, OMG, same. Tagging your friend and be, like, this is so you. Uh, Tag your favorite Mananangal. (laughs) But... Yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, and uh, just to 
just to bring us home, I would like to uh, kick off to one more sighting. This is from a WordPress blog, which is always fun. And this is from, gosh, here's the thing. I'm gonna, this is from HTTP djhal107.wordpress.com. Okay, I'll remember that. Yeah, I know. I was going to say, this is like, this is a 2008 entry called Real Monsters in the Philippines, Facts and Sightings. And then they talk a little bit, like, it's the same kind of stuff, like the primer on the what the Mananangal is. She's fond of the liver. She likes to, uh, she likes to do all this other stuff. There's a really interesting take on the story that I hadn't seen before here. Mm-hmm. Which is, first of all, just an additional uh, aspect that makes the description even better, even creepier to me, uh, is her tongue is supposed to be black. She has a long black proboscis tongue. Oh, um, nice. Like Venom style. Uh, oh, wait, no, Venom's tongue isn't black in the new movie. Whatever, I don't care. Um, but <laughs> uh, she also, according to this one, she can turn herself into any shape, even inanimate objects. And she Ooh. also... Once she has killed a victim, if she kills a victim outside of their home, she will take a bundle of sticks, grass, and rice or banana stalks and transform these into a replica of her victim. This replica is sent home while she takes the real person back with her. Upon reaching its home, the replica will become sick and die. The victim will then be killed and eaten. She is said to be particularly fond of the liver. Which, that particular one, and, like, of course it's all real. Like, of course. But also, (laughs) if it wasn't real looking potentially through a skeptical lens, would be a really interesting, like, a lot of folklore and a lot of these monsters are born out of the need to explain away things that are really troubling or upsetting. And I feel like yeah, for sure. someone seeing, seeming to, someone getting really sick and seeming to not be themselves and then passing away suddenly, it might be a lot easier to say, well, that wasn't really them. That was a replica. That was sort of like, sort of like the way changelings came about of people being like this doesn't Mm, seem like my child but like but rather just like as a way to explain away illness or especially illness that affects someone mentally uh that causes like mental Mm -hmm. deterioration or like a catatonic state i feel like that might be sort of where some of that was born but because it doesn't say i'm assuming she transforms those ingredients into a person-like thing because otherwise these people are very easily tricked if they just see a walking bundle of sticks and they're yeah, like, ah, seriously. my wife. Ah, <laughs> Welcome home, yes, my hello. wife. <laughs> oh, no. I'm s- this is horrible. The darkest, like, things, like, funny, th- like, things that I'm laughing at but are terrible keep coming into my brain. And I'm just imagining someone, like, carrying a bundle of sticks to the doctor. Like, please, my wife, she's very sick. She's very sick. Gosh. <laughs> my That's wife. terrible. The writer of this blog, whose name is not listed anywhere, uh, but the writer of this blog says, uh, has a little entry on their own experience with the Mananangal. It says, I had a real experience of seeing this monster. I was a young boy at that time, and our house was in a small barrio. Oh, hey, look, this is the account from the uh, cryptids wiki, but this is the uh, the first person one. Oh, okay. And um, he says, I just need you to know it's the same account, but like it's the same story, but... Um, <laughs> The way that it's written, I'm going to just read it as written. It says, I saw the howling dogs, like as you recall, see the howling dogs. But when I looked at the window, I saw something dark floating. It's like a person floating horizontally facing our neighbor's open window. (laughs) It's all capitals, so intense. But uh, then they talk about another one of the uh, ones that's named for the sound it makes. Not the whack whack, but the kick kick. Okay. Which transforms into a huge bat slash bird at night and prowls. The kick kick looks for sleeping pregnant women. When it is found, when it extends, it's it's the same thing, essentially. Extends a very long proboscis into the womb. 
and drains the blood. It is said that while this is taking place, a kick, kick, kick sound is often heard. <laughs> so, in some stories, the kick, kick is the uh, Mananagal or Aswang's familiar said to confuse people with its kick, kick sound. There's all these crossover different versions. The term whack, whack or wuk, wuk is frequently used for the same creature depending on the region. So, there's all these different regions with different names for them. And it's just, it's very interesting. Now, really quickly, finally, to bring us home, I do want to mention there is <laughs> um, a variation that I'm very fascinated by, and I want to read more about it sometimes. But uh, in certain regions, there is a myth of the Danga or Agatot. This type of Aswang is said to take the form of a handsome gay man that hunts women during the night and drinks blood like a vampire. So it's just literally Lestat. Yeah, I was like, wait a second, that's, that's a really odd way... <laughs> What do they mean by the appearance of a gay man? <laughs> That's like really reductive. Maybe they mean he's he's not human, but he appears to be a human man. I don't think the, the gay part is the appearance part. I think the handsome man might be that. I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, but that's so wild. I just this is just pulled from Alex. Would this anonymous blog that I found on Google let me down? I guess not. Like, how do they know that he's pretending to be gay, though? Do they just say, like... <laughs> oh, no, I think he is gay. He's just pretending to be a human man. You see what I'm saying? I don't necessarily think that you can apply orientation cross-species like that. <laughs> That's true. I did, not, I did not define this. He is responsible for defining his own identity. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> That's just Fair. wild. Um, I just also want to tell you about how um, there supposedly is another... Uh, like creature that accompanies this called uh, the Sigbin or Zegbin, which appears similarly to the Chupacabra. Which one? Chupacabra has a few different appearances. Well, it's also compared to the Tasmanian Devils. Okay. That tells me it's probably Fair. the more dog-like one, uh, although with spotted fur and a wide mouth and large fangs. <laughs> a friend. So there's a lot. Yeah, I was going to say truly a buddy. I'd like to leave you with that buddy. Uh, or um, And so I'd like to leave you with that buddy. It also resembles, it's described as resembling a hornless goat as well. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different crossovers. But um, yeah, it also has very large ears that are capable of clapping like a pair of hands. Here's the thing, I love him. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear that. Um, I just, I saw that phrase and I, oof. That just, that got me. Um, so that is the focus of a lot of my youthful nightmares. Uh, the Mananangal. Nice. She may be half a torso, but she is all woman. Anyway, I don't know what that means, but it felt right. You know, I love variations on vampire stories. Like, blood sucking is such a prevalent thing in stories all across the world. And there are so many variations on it. And I think at some point... Like, I thought about doing an episode on, like, just traditional vampires at some point, but I feel like so many of the variations are so interesting on their own that, like, to put them all into one episode would be a disservice. Like, Yeah, totally. To reduce the Mananangal to, like, a subset of a larger vampire episode feels very unfair to her and all of her strangeness and her interestingness and her and her spookiness. Uh, particularly, I genuinely think, is she's a, it's a much scarier version of a vampire than the Bram Stoker variety. Like, I love the just absolute like wild body horror of the story yeah it's really fascinating I, I don't even know where to begin with it the only explanations i can personally think of are some sort of large variety of bat that just because of the size looks like about the size of half a person like i can't and even like of course she's real of course she's real 
she's real and she's out here and she's doing it. But the only like if I was trying to explain it away, that's all I can really think of. And I can't find a lot of specific explanations <laughs> of it. I all I can think is there are a lot of varieties of bats that are really large. Maybe there's one that's not been previously mm-hmm. discovered, perhaps with features that maybe look a little humanoid um like or look a little more um ape-like or yeah simian there's also uh i didn't dive into it because i only found it in one place but i do think it's interesting there is also some theory some discussion that if you have if if a woman has like an encounter with a manananggal and she survives that she's good that she'll turn into one so oh that's interesting i was gonna ask about that in the beginning of the episode like when i got distracted by the fire alarm Earthquake alarm. <laughs> Earthquake alarm, my bad. Alex, yeah, no. I totally understand. And that's something I saw discussed. The thing is, when researching the Mananangal, is that there's so much, um, like, regional differences in the way that it's talked about, from just the actual, like, name to the, like, like, some sites call this, like, say that Aswang is another name for the Mananangal. Some sites say that that's an umbrella term. Some, like... There's a lot of people disagreeing mm-hmm. with each other, particularly because I think, like, there's so many different regional takes on this particular story. Totally, yeah. When you start to try to put them all together into one cohesive thing, it gets a little messy. Uh, but I did find a reference that an encounter with one that a woman survives turns her into one. And also, supposedly, according to that Thought Catalog article, with some sort of oils, a chance, and a black chicken egg, you can turn yourself into one if you want. If you so choose. If that's what you're going for. Look, I believe in a woman's right to choose to become a Mananangal. <laughs> Big mood. If she so wishes. Honestly, like, in 2018, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, seriously. Whatever your coping mechanism is these days, yeah. who am I to shame that? Look, some people rend themselves in half and stalk the night skies looking for fresh blood to cope. Alex. I mean, no judgment. Like, if you're finding any way to cope out here, I'm impressed. <laughs> Me too. Some people knit. Some people drink the blood of the unborn. Some people crochet. I don't know why. <laughs> but that is one of my personal favorite, quote unquote, variants on the vampire formula. I honestly would love to see, I need to, I want to watch the film. And I know there are actually multiple films, like multiple Filipino horror films mm-hmm. that use this monster or monsters inspired by her. And I definitely need to just sit down and watch. I've been meaning to watch more um, horror movies that aren't made in the US or US, Canada or the UK too. Like I want to mm-hmm. do that in general because I, I am really interested in what, in like what other cultures find scary and like the world of like horror tropes coming out of other countries yeah it's fascinating right because so much of our concept of like horror and the monsters that embody the things that we're really talking about when we make horror films like are pretty Mm -hmm. culturally specific absolutely and we only assume that they're universal because that's that's all that we've seen right like because Mm -hmm. they show up so frequently in the things that we're watching but it's fascinating to step outside of that lens exactly um i remember and i don't want to go off on too much of a tangent here but i remember on cracked.com r.i.p uh there used to be a segment called after hours that i loved i would watch it all the time super Mm -hmm. meta discussions and they had an episode years ago about the psychology behind the types of things we write horror about and they were specifically talking Mm -hmm. about the difference between American horror and the horror that came out of Victorian England and how Victor and just English horror in general is set often in these very tight urban areas mm-hmm. because yeah. the the horror and the suffering of 
England in the particularly like the Victorian era and all of that was it was it was the streets of London. It was just like filth and sickness and poverty and like death all around. And so the horror was in the cities. Whereas a lot of American horror is set out in like remote camps. It's like cabins yeah, it's in the cabins woods. in the yeah. woods, campsites. And how like we are a nation that was born of like settling land. Like there's a whole like we're not gonna but like we our background is like the where where are pe- where people died and where people met with a lot of suffering, a lot of like scary mm-hmm. stuff was out in the woods and out in the like open spaces. And so that's what we are culturally afraid of. And I just think that that's really interesting. And that's like a very specific comparison just between like England and the US. But that's something I'm really interested in and love reading about. And it's part of why I love exploring things like the Mananangal, because I want to like, I like looking to this other place and being like, why does that like, where did this come from? Why does that scare you? And this time of year, Halloween time, I am all about what scares people. But in like the fun kind yeah, of yeah, it's super fascinating. <laughs> I'm about fear in like the fun way this time of year, <laughs> please. Like fun fear, yeah. So on that note, um, thank you so much for the minute. Oh, yeah, of course. By the way, um, terribly sorry about our little like weird <laughs> snafu in the middle. But um, is it next week that will be like our Halloween Halloween weekend? Yes, it will. Episode. Yes, it will be. Uh, anyway, so next week we'll be doing our listener story episode. We haven't done one of those in a while, but I'm pretty excited. We have um, a lot of things in our inbox to choose from. Thank you so much for that. Oh, yeah. If you still have not sent one in and you have one for us, uh, there is still time. Just try to get those in by, like, Tuesday yeah. of this week so we can, like, sit down and pick the ones that we want. Um, we record on Thursdays, so if you get it in that soon, that gives us time to sort of figure out where we're going with Don't it. Don't let them um, see behind will, the curtain. Unfortunately. Don't what? let them see behind the curtain like that. Yeah, time's not real. Right. Anyway, uh, we will not get to all of them, unfortunately, but we will try to get to as many as we can. And mm-hmm. ones that we don't use will be saved for future episodes. Yeah. So by all means, submit. Um, even if we don't read it on the air, we ourselves personally will have seen it. So like, that's fun for us. Yeah. And honestly, having too many to share is like a very good problem to have. I'm very happy about it. Pretty exciting. It's, yeah. very, it's a very exciting problem to have. So I'm very excited. We have just a virtual buffet of spooky stories and i love seeing them come in and it just makes me very happy that people feel comfortable sharing and also just like have things to share and yeah i'm very i'm very stoked uh for this year's halloween episode and then i hope this was served as a, an interesting start to the halloweeny spirit <laughs> or not start but my contribution yeah. you did your real vampires episode i'm here with my also real vampire episode right yeah naturally and uh then Next week, we'll come back with some really real stuff. The most real. Don't know if any of them are vampires, I but don't, we'll find out. No, if you have a story about a vampire and you want to send it to us, and I mean like a like a thing you had happen not, or like happened to a friend. I don't mean like if you wrote some fan fiction about Interview with a Vampire. I'd love to read it sometime, but not for this. So anyway. <laughs> um, Careful what you wish for. Oh, gosh. Oh, no. As we wrap up, quick thank you to our audio wizard, Val Patron, for dutifully editing our audio each week and making our episodes actually sound like a show. (laughs) Thank you for that. The myth, the legend. Love it. Is that everything? That is. uh, One more thank you to our sponsors this spookiest of months, the Alexandria Archives. Go give them a listen if you haven't already. If you already have, listen again. (laughs) Never enough to listen to. So, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.